0: Hi, Brad. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, Could you uh, explain what Schneider Electric does and what you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Schneider Electric is the world's uh, largest uh, provider of electrical distribution and control uh, equipment around the world. Um, We are and we provide those solutions across, you know, all applications—residential, commercial, industrial, uh, etc.—and um, and we do so to drive, you know, sustainability. So, you know, one of the things we're very proud of is is we were just recognized by Global Knights as the planet's most sustainable company, and one of those metrics was, you know, what percent of your revenue comes from solutions that you're selling to drive sustainability. And correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas, but I think we're at like 70% right, of our revenue is uh, dedicated to driving those sustainable solutions. So that's a big core of who and what Schneider is and does. And um, for me personally, I'm, I've been with Schneider for 28 years, um, primarily all here in the United States. Um, and my current role is director of strategic customers and programs for what we call our home and distribution business. So we focus on the, the residential and small building space um, with our solutions. And it's it's a really exciting time for our business as you know our solutions and the electrical distribution systems of homes now are, are becoming a, a connected solution and not just for you know entertainment purposes, but you know, really for sustainability, resiliency, uh, and operational efficiency of the home. So it's an exciting time for us.
0: So we brought you on today primarily to talk about uh, home resiliency, which I see is a big thing of what Schneider does. Could you explain what energy home resiliency means and why it's becoming an important thing to prioritize?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as we look at, you know, what's going on, particularly just in the last, you know, 18 months with COVID, right? Um, people are not only living in their homes, they're working in their homes. And so uh, making sure that they, that you have access to power all the time is even more important because it's no longer just about, you know, not being able to watch Netflix. It's about not being able to do my job, right? If I don't have that power and It's becoming in the United States, it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue because, you know, unfortunately, the overall uh, electrical grid of the United States from an infrastructure standpoint has really been kind of ignored in some ways. Right. And as a result, you know, you're seeing things like you see in California today where, you know, PG&E is shutting down power proactively for, uh Large areas geographically for days at a time in order to try to prevent um, forest fires. Then you have the storm that hit Texas earlier this year and, and knocked out not only you know residential uh, homes for many days at a time, but really, really uh, struck the the manufacturing and, and energy sectors uh, quite a bit as well. So. That resiliency is really important. So, you know, while people are looking for ways to have more sustainable homes, you know, the it's it's the cousin of that is okay. While I'm doing that, I you know, the benefit I'm going to get is some resiliency because I'm going to have more than just a single source of power coming into my home.
0: So, how do you see the increase in uh, EV popularities affecting grids, the 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 electrical grid and uh home resiliency as a whole as well
1: well it's it's a pretty complex issue and we're we ourselves are you know learning more and more about it every day but you know um i guess in a, a good analogy for it is prior to evs prior to solar being popular prior to people you know using um generators um in their home we really kind of had a kind of a simple one-way road right from from the electric grid into the home. And then that road split off into different roads called an oven, called an electric water heater, so on and so forth, right? But the flow was, was one way and the source was only one. And then as we, as we add solar and generator, um, now it's getting a little bit more complex, right? And um, the flow is, is one way, but from two or three different sources. And we have to make sure that when uh, the power goes out, actually that those other sources aren't sending power back out onto the, to the grid from a safety standpoint to protect, to protect uh, line workers. So then fast forward to the EV itself. And now, now it gets further complicated because you're talking about, well, I want, I want to have a two-way road, right? I want to have a road where sometimes the flow is going, to the vehicle and sometimes I I want to have the flow go from the vehicle to the home. And that really complicates um, that electrical home infrastructure. So that's something we've been focused on. And how do we create a a solution that, you know, for lack of a better word, is a, is a if a, is a, a traffic manager of all these potential sources of traffic or power, as you will. Um, and make sure that it's going where it needs to go and only where it needs to go um, for both you know the operational part of the home but also for the safety of everybody involved
0: so schneider electric offers both uh, hardware solutions and software solutions to control the hardware as well you guys do the complete sure. package
1: yeah 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 so we we have in our commercial industrial spaces we have a solution called ecostructure where we bring not only electrical aspects of the home or of a building together, but the security and access and everything, all together into one solution. Um, and we, you know, manage things like T-Mobile Arena, for example, right? And we provide them solutions that not only make it more operationally efficient, but uh, easier for them to repurpose the arena for different different events and whatnot. So I share that because we're basically bringing that same concept back, you know, down to the residential space with our with our Wiser platform. So our uh, Wiser Energy Center is a solution where you know think about that gray box in your garage called the circuit breaker box, the fuse box, whatever <laughs> people may refer to it as. We call a load center. We've now brought that together, and we've looked at okay, if if I'm going to have solar and I and I'm you know generators may become more prevalent, how do I simplify that? So we've taken what would in a solar installation include four, five, six different uh, boxes and devices that are mounted all over a wall, and we've consolidated that down to one, which not only makes it a lot more aesthetically pleasing but makes it a lot easier from an installation standpoint. Um, and also future-proofs the home. So by putting this in, even if you don't put in um, a generator initially or an EV charger, for example, it's, it's ready to receive that. Uh, and it's gonna make the installation and the impact on your home a lot less when you go to retrofit that into the, into the home itself. And and on top, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And then on top of that, obviously, we're, we're integrating connectivity. So today, those solutions with our uh, wiser energy monitoring, allow a consumer to see down to device level, meaning an appliance, a coffee maker, uh, you know, a washing machine, your garage door opener, to see not only how much energy those things are using, but also to just have transparency of in real time of what they're doing right so oh i left the oven on and i'm not home or um, oh the refrigerator's been off for way too long something might be wrong or the refrigerator's been running way too long maybe the door got left open you know things like that
0: so uh gas powered generators are a popular form of uh, redundancy do you guys believe that it will be still a mandatory redundancy even in an electrified world or you guys believe that electric systems will be able to completely erase the need for gasoline-based uh, generators in the future?
1: Um, you know, I think it, it depends on how resilient you want to be, right? I mean, if you, if you go with a, you know, a decent solar uh, panel lineup and you have a, a good-sized battery for storage, um, you may be able to avoid, you know, the need for, Uh, any sort of generator or additional source of power for uh, a few days, at least on a, you know, a limited circuit uh, basis, right? If you want more than that, you know, there's, you know, some folks want to power their whole house and they have a dedicated pad mount permanently installed generator that is, um, doesn't use uh, gasoline, but uses, you know, a, a, a natural gas or propane feed right in order to to power it um so i'm not sure generators will ever go away completely but certainly as the economics of that change solar with a battery is probably going to become more and more of a a mainstay
0: in your opinion how come we haven't seen more uh evs with uh, vehicle to grid is it specifically just like you said the two-way road in the home infrastructure or something has to be done with the evs themselves
1: um, well, there's a few factors in that, Dennis. First of all, when EVs were first coming out, manufacturers didn't want that to happen. They didn't want it to be used that way. And in fact, put provisions on their warranty that said if you used it in such a way, you'd void the warranty on the battery of your vehicle, right? Um, obviously, we're seeing that evolve, especially with Ford and the, and the Ford F-150 Lightning that they've announced. They're, they're intentionally developing a product that is intended to be used that way um and it you know it has multiple benefits it's not only the ability to um plug that into my home to power some or or a lot of my home when i don't have uh grid power but also uh for people in the in the trades it's a great it's a great way to have power on the job site right and just plug in and and do your work and off you go Um, so that's one of the factors. Another factor is that is that safety factor, right? So for instance, with a generator, it's integrating a generator um, is a lot easier than integrating an EV. And the reason for that is um, when I put a generator in, I have my, my circuit breaker that it's connected to and I interlock that with the main so that only one of those breakers can be on at a given time. That way I ensure that when the generator is running and powering the home, it's not backfeeding the system and creating a safety issue out on the grid, right? Because electrically what happens, that step down transformer that steps down the power for your home works the opposite when it's fed re- in reverse, right? So now it's a step up transformer and, and, pr- and puts power on the line that can kill an electrical worker. The problem with the doing the same thing with an EV is, well, I need that breaker to be on all the time because sometimes I want to charge my my uh, my EV at home, right? So, um, it makes it a little more complicated on how you how you integrate that, and it's it's not it's not really a technical issue as much as it's a practical issue. So, yeah, there's you can put an automatic transfer switch in, and you can engineer it in such a way that you can do that and ensure the safety that, that's required, but it, it becomes pretty impractical from a cost standpoint. So those are the things we're working on, on how to, again, how do we integrate that kind of capability into our uh, solutions going forward that make it more practical. So someone with with that Ford Lightning uh, pickup truck can can do that more easily.
0: So with things like solar panels and energy storage, it's possible to have a, a surplus of power that you can sell back to, I guess, the utility company. Is that something you guys try to sell people on? Is it a significant enough type of expense that can be brought back or it's, you know, Yeah, I, we,
1: we really don't. And, and because the trend that we're seeing there, Dennis, is more and more utilities are saying, um, I'm either going to give you a significantly reduced credit for that or I'm not going to give you anything. I don't want the power. And the reason for that is, you know, if you're thinking about if you think about an electric utility, they have a very high fixed cost, right? So whether they're supplying power for 100,000 homes or 100 homes, they generally have the same fixed cost, right? So what actually is happening, it's kind of an unintended consequence of, of solar, particularly in California, is if you think about, okay, well, who, who can more likely either retrofit an existing home or uh, prior to the mandate for solar in California, uh, who, could, who could afford to have solar on their home as an option? And it was obviously people with more money, right? So people with more money end up put using solar And now they're paying, they're using less power. Uh, They're paying less to the utility. And but now the utility still has the same amount of fixed costs to cover. So they got to spread that fixed cost amongst a smaller uh, user group. So the unintended consequence is actually ended up being that that uh, uh, poor people pay more for electricity. And so to combat that, what utilities are starting to do is if your home is is tied to the grid, regardless of how much power you use or don't use, you're going to have a fixed connection fee, if you will, right? So that they can offset some of that fixed cost. So I, you know, I personally don't see um, uh, as as solar and EVs as a source of power become more popular. I I, I see that kind of that subsidy or that credit for from utilities going away, quite honestly, and, and the other aspect of it is, you know, utilities will tell you, yeah, there's times if we could harness all that and all those different homes, and turn it into a virtual power plant and have some sort of control of that, so that we could, when we need to shave demand, we could we could go to it. That might have value, and that's something that's evolving uh, in the marketplace, but. Individually, it actually causes more havoc than good for uh, for a utility in a lot of ways.
0: So, are you guys seeing uh, it's easier for the commercial industry to justify this change to uh, you know more resiliency versus uh, regular people, or it's about the same in, in between commercial and and personal in, in terms of uh, how willing they are to change?
1: Yeah, you mean in the commercial, like uh, the retail space? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know. I it, you know, you look at, at what's going on in California today, and um, are you are you aware of their their public safety power outages that they? Yeah, inflate? yeah. Um, and so you know, we think about that. And we and at first we only think about the homes, but that affects the gas stations and the grocery stores and the quick marts and everything, right? So. Um, You know, I think those those commercial spaces are looking for, hey, I need to have I need to have, you know, a good backup source, whether it's a generator, solar, you know, combined with batteries uh, to get me through these these periods that could that could be days at a time. Right. Um, I think on the on what we're seeing on the residential space is. Uh, home builders are actually really starting to buy into not only sustainably building the home from the get-go, but now the next phase is they're saying, okay, we're 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 building the home with more sustainably sourced materials. That's great, but what's the next step? Which is how do I make that home more sustainable from an operational standpoint? Right, so. More and more builders, for example, are looking at well, forget what the code says in terms of the minimum uh, insulation that I got to put on a house. I'm going to exceed that. I'm going to, I'm going to over-insulate this home. I'm going to make it really, and I'm going to make it really tight uh, from a from a, a HVAC standpoint, and that's going to allow me to put in a smaller HVAC system for the home. It means that it's not going that HVAC system's not going to run as long, right? Which gives you that sustainability and lower cost of operation, not only from running the system, but when you eventually have to sunset that HVAC system, you're not going to have to put in as big a system. And if we look at that within the context of, of uh, you know, solar and batteries and EV as, as alternate sources, that bodes well for that, too, because if I have a smaller system, I'm going to be able more likely able to run that with my backup power, whether that's a fixed battery or an EV or a generator and run it for a longer period of time because it uses less power and it in it in the home doesn't need it as much because it's so well insulated. Right. So these things are kind of how builders build homes and how. The EV could play into that as a source. It's starting to all become a little connected and symbiotic, if you will.
0: There's probably a a decent amount of people that look at something like this: uh, solar panels, energy storage, the changes they have to make, and they might think that it's too complicated and it costs too much for them to be worth it. Uh, What
1: would you say to those type of people? They're not wrong, right? And I think the, the real dynamic I think that that people have to look at is is a few, well, a few factors. One, one, how committed are you to sustainability? You And you need to understand, okay, um, what, what percent of my power comes from what fuel source, right? So for instance, where I live in Tennessee, 56.6% of the power generated in Tennessee comes from carbon-free sources across hydropower and nuclear. Right, um, which means we're, you know, from a carbon standpoint, pretty, pretty sustainable. So when I, you know, when I look at that and say, well, from an EV standpoint or solar, uh, solar standpoint, solar from my home doesn't make sense in some ways because one, it's already pretty sustainable, but also my the from a financial standpoint, my kilowatt hour rate is only eight point seven cents, right? So I've looked at, for instance, the Tesla shingles. And it would take me, uh, when I use Tesla's calculator, it was like 31 years payback, right? It's just not practical. Now, shift that to California or other high, higher energy price markets, where in California, the average is 24. And because of variable pricing, it can jump up to 55 to 56 cents a kilowatt hour. All of a sudden, the financial equation starts to make more sense, right?
0: Okay. No, yeah, that's, that's, that does make sense. Uh, well, that's, that's all the questions we had. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to possibly bring up that I wasn't able to touch upon?
1: Um, I, I don't know that, that was very thorough questioning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I, 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 think we, we touched on just about, I, I guess, you know, here's what I would add is I think, the, the other trend and, and thing we're trying to bring to the to the market is that electrical distribution system has typically been thought of as just you know the load center going to appliances and your outlets and switches throughout the home but those outlets and switches are not they're not connected they're not Part of the of a true ecosystem with the electrical distribution. So, what we're doing at Schneider is bringing that all together, right? So, from the energy center or your load center, um, all the way down to our smart devices, that's now all part of one ecosystem. So that you can you can transparently see how much energy you're using. Those smart devices are now each individually Uh, metering how much power is being used in those solutions and bringing that into into one true ecosystem that not only lets you see how much power you're using, but give you control over how you're using your power and getting notifications when there might be something wrong, right? And I think that is going to be a big trend uh, going forward in in the home uh, for folks. And And that's going to leak into actually predictive maintenance, right? So actually turning the home into kind of a self-healing home that can reach out to the homeowner and say, hey, uh, this looks like it might be wrong. Uh, You might want to have your contractor or better yet, it also already goes to to your HVAC contractor or your appliance contractor or whatever, right? and uh, and allows them to, to service the home for you. So I think to me, that's that's true smart home. I mean, it, the entertainment side is cool, but uh, where we're going uh, from an operational standpoint and making the home truly easier to live in and to maintain is, I think, an even bigger deal.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a part we don't really get to hear about a lot. It's not really covered, like you said, yeah.
1: entertainment. It's, um, right. It's it's yeah. it's rational brain versus irrational brain. <laughs> so, yeah, we're dealing with a lot of the rational brain stuff that's not as fun at first. So uh, but even more important.
0: Well, still exciting regardless. Uh Brad, yeah. thank you for all your time. Thank you for your insight as well. I appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Dennis.
0: All right.